Hello and welcome to Her Health Podcast. I'm Dr. Allison Groff, board certified OBGYN and board certified obesity medicine doctor. This new podcast is designed to cover important aspects of women's health. And by important, I mean those topics that are important to you. If you're listening, this is your podcast. I hope to answer your questions. Specific topics that I'm thinking about for covering would include reproductive health, sexual health, weight management, and deep dive into pregnancy. Hello and welcome back today. You asked and I'm answering. Today I'm going to answer your questions that you've always wanted to know from a gynecologist. So the big questions you really want to know are the things that nobody talks about. And so that's what I'm going to delve into a little bit now, and we'll delve into it a little bit more as we go forward in these various episodes. So menopause, you've gotten to an age where you've been through the periods, you've been through either pregnancies or friends getting pregnant and kind of moved past that. And now the big question is what's next? And it's not something a lot of people are talking about, but menopause is a totally normal transition for most women on average around the age of 51, but everybody's different and it can happen a little earlier, it can happen a little later, but it's definitely something to talk about. A woman reaches menopause when she has had one full year without periods. So it's pretty straightforward definition, right? Not. The reason is that for somebody who's not on birth control, who has regular periods, this can be a pretty obvious thing. You stop having periods and then after you reach a year, we know we don't expect any more periods. But for a lot of people, they're not in that situation. Um, For example, um, somebody who's on birth control because they don't want to get pregnant, um, may not know should they stop their birth control or not. Are they in menopause? Um, also people who have had a hysterectomy who aren't having regular periods anymore because their uterus has been surgically removed, but they still have their ovaries. So how do they know when they're in menopause? Um, there's a lot of factors that are at play here. Let's start with a little bit of physiology. So a woman starts to have her periods around the age of 12, give or take. And when she starts to have her period, this is because the brains and the ovary start to have a conversation. And the brain tells the ovary that it should ovulate, that it should develop some eggs, and that one of these eggs, which is the winning egg, should be ovulated. The lining of the uterus then grows to support the possibility of a pregnancy. And when the egg is not fertilized, then after the body allows a certain amount of time for this to happen, then the egg is wasted and the lining of the uterus sheds. After a year or two of starting the period, this becomes a regular monthly process. And that's because the conversation between the brain and the ovary matures, such the brain matures and sends a regular monthly message to the ovary to do this. And this becomes a pretty regular thing for a woman who is healthy and doesn't have any medical complications and isn't on any medications that would alter or prevent this process from happening. On this 
tends to last until, as I said, menopause starts around age 51. But our hormones can kind of shift as we approach that age such that there may not be as regular ovulation in the years leading up to menopause. So this begs the question, what can you expect? And it's a really common question that I get, especially for women in their 40s. What can they expect as they approach menopause? First thing is that the age really varies. So some women will have some symptoms starting in the 40s, especially mid to late 40s, um, but everybody is different. Um, the, what we do expect is a potentially change in the cycle. A lot of my patients will notice that they have more frequent cycles when they're in their 40s. So their periods are often very regular, but their cycles are a little bit shorter than 28 days. That's super common. If you're bleeding longer than you would expect or you're bleeding throughout the month, that is something that while it may be related to menopause, I wouldn't write it off as menopause or perimenopause. I would recommend to see your doctor and get that evaluated. But a lot of women will notice their cycles are a little bit more frequent than every 28 days. And the normal menstrual cycle can range between 21 and 35 days um, as long as it's lasting a week or less um, and the bleeding's not too heavy. And that can be normal. It's different variants of normal. Well, we have a very set definition for menopause, which I mentioned earlier. For perimenopause, we really don't have an absolute definition. Perimenopause is that natural transition that occurs from regular monthly menstrual cycles to the period in time when your periods stop completely, so to that menopause. And in this time frame, things can be variable. But what we expect and what we most often will notice is a spacing of the menstrual cycles. So women will start to skip their cycles. And sometimes it's just a random skip or the cycles extend out to six weeks. But often you'll just kind of notice that they don't come every month anymore. This is very, very normal and that's totally fine. But as I said before, if you're bleeding more often, while hormonal shifts can be a cause of that, we want to make sure there's nothing else going on that could cause that. So spacing of the cycles and skipping cycles at an age when we would expect this to start happening in the mid to late 40s or early 50s is very normal and doesn't necessarily need a special evaluation, but bleeding more often is something to get checked out. And then when it comes to symptoms, the most common symptoms that women will notice will be hot flashes and night sweats, um, also vaginal dryness, some mood changes. These are all super, super normal. But whether you need any sort of intervention for that or not really, really just depends on how you're functioning. The biggest thing is are you having mild symptoms that don't bother you and you're otherwise functioning really well? Or are your symptoms preventing you from sleeping, preventing you from doing your regular day-to-day -day activities? Listen to your body, listen to yourself that to decide if something is needed to help with your symptoms. And I just want to state that menopause is a normal and natural transition for women. So it's not necessarily something that's a sign of a problem or something that needs treatment or intervention. 
However, we have a lot of things we can do to support you if symptoms are problematic. Um, and I should, would add that um, not just vaginal dryness can be a concern, but sometimes sexual symptoms in general. And whether the symptoms are night sweats, hot flashes, um, or sexual in nature, all of these deserve to be addressed if they're preventing you from your normal activities. I'm going to talk to you more about management in upcoming episodes, but I just want to mention that um, there are a whole range of things. There's um, just changing how you eat and being more regular about exercise and dressing in layers. There's um, supplements and non-medical interventions. Um, and then we have our hormone replacement. Um, we also have vaginal estrogen, which is different than a systemic hormone replacement because it just addresses the vaginal um, dryness and some of the sexual symptoms, but it can also really um, be super helpful without having the same risks. Um, and I also want to say, just as a precursor to upcoming episodes, that hormone replacement is something that gets a pretty bad rap. And there are people where the risk is definitely outweighed by the benefit. But for a lot of people, hormone replacement is a good, valid option if your symptoms are affecting your life. So we had a big study that came out back, I was um, in my first job at the NIH out of residency working in a small unit with young women who were having ovarian insufficiency, which has a lot of similarities to women in menopause, but they were very young. And this Women's Health Initiative study came out and it made us rethink what we were doing because before that, we had kind of an impression that hormone replacement was just overall beneficial and most women would benefit from it, period, end of story. Once the Women's Health Initiative came out with some of the early results, it made us kind of look twice at that and question that. And we know that when it comes to hormone replacement, it is completely a risk-benefit ratio. So if a woman has no symptoms and she feels great and she's not experienced any complications and menopause is just a relief from the monthly cycle, she probably doesn't need anything. But if a woman is having a lot of symptoms, they're not doing well, they're tired, they're not able to experience life with the same joy that they have been, then hormone replacement can be a great option as long as there's no extra risk factors. So we'll talk more about this in upcoming episodes, but just wanted to mention that there's a lot we can do for management of menopause if symptoms are bothersome. So the next question is, I'm peeing myself. Is this normal? And the answer is, yeah, pretty much. A lot of women experience urinary incontinence. Up to about half of adult women, especially after having pregnancies or childbearing, do experience some level of urinary incontinence. So I want to say that if you notice some urinary leakage, you are not alone. This is super normal. But it's also not something that you have to just live with in silence and just deal with. So most of the time, urinary incontinence or urinary leakage is not a sign of a serious medical issue, and it's also super common. Um, so I want to reassure you that you are 
very much not alone if this is something that you're dealing with. And there are also a lot of things that can be done. So you do not have to live with this and just deal with it if you are unhappy, if this is affecting your life, if you're wearing pads every day, you're getting irritated on the vulva because of that, there are definitely solutions that can be applied. Um, and usually we'll look at some different kinds of urinary incontinence. Probably the most common thing we'll see will be leaking urine when you sneeze or laugh or cough, basically when you kind of bear down or your belly pressure increases. And this is called stress urinary incontinence. And um, there are things that can be done ranging from exercise, physical therapy, um, individual exercises that you can do at home, um, surgery can be done, minor surgeries, um, or minor procedures. So there's a lot that can be done. There's also, um, other kinds of incontinence. If you just start to feel like you have to pee and then before you can get to the bathroom, you start to leak, that's more of an urge incontinence. And sometimes in addition to the, me the measures I mentioned, sometimes medication can help with that. And there's also just kind of, well, I don't know, it could be like both of those situations, which is more of a mixed urinary incontinence. And again, um, a lot of these uh, interventions that I mentioned can be applied. What do you do about it? My recommendation is to mention what you're noticing in your next visit to the gynecologist or schedule a separate visit if you don't have one scheduled or mention it to your primary care, unless you're already under the care of a urologist. Your primary care and your gynecologist are not urologists, they're not the experts in this issue, but we are well familiar with talking to you about that, screening for any kind of sign of a more serious illness, and figuring out next steps. A lot of us will do an initial um, work up and, and maybe some initial interventions. Some gynecologists even have special study in the area and can do more interventions. And there are urogynecologists as well as urologists who specialize in like management of more complicated issues related to this. So there is definitely help available. And the first step is mentioning it to your doctor. Next question, what do I need to do for my vagina, my vulva, my lady parts in terms of maintenance? Well, this is the answer that everybody laughs when I tell them, but your vagina, it's a self-cleaning oven. In other words, you do not need to do anything to a healthy vagina. You can use gentle soap and water on the vulva where the hair grows on those areas, but all these specialty products that are marketed and sold for the purpose of cleaning your vagina or your vulva, you really don't need that. If you're noticing an odor, a discharge of smell, those are things to get checked out. But as long as you're feeling well and healthy, nothing special needs to be applied to the area. Well, that's it for today's round of questions. I would love to answer more questions. I still have a few more that are in the pipes. And um, please send some more questions if there's anything you want to know from the gynecologist or the obstetrician or about weight management. 
it's been so great sharing with you today and I hope you have a great holiday this coming week and I look forward to coming back to you after the holiday. Thanks for listening to Her Health Podcast. Have a good day.